Welcome to the 1689 Evangelism Podcast. We have two new episodes soon to drop, but for today we want to share with you a clip from Dr. Johnston's message at our recent 1689 Evangelism Conference. This will be part one of a three-part series from this message, so I hope you enjoy. Here you go. Thank you so much for being here this evening. I know there's a, probably a million other things you could be doing or hundreds or whatever. On, I know the, uh, the World Cup is going on uh, in, in some of you are interested in soccer and Croatia and played Morocco today and France is playing uh, Argentina tomorrow. But uh, lots of things happening. But we're here to talk about the Lord and about making his name known. And, um, and this is actually the inaugural inaugural conference for the idea of, of 1689 evangelism. And I'm holding right here the 1689 Second London uh, Baptist Confession of Faith. And Stephan and I have been meeting for quite a number of years, maybe three, four, five years. We were meeting on a very regular basis. And he had the idea probably three years ago that it would be a very interesting concept to, to link together a solid doctrine with solid practice, the practice of evangelism. So that's what we'll be talking about tonight. And um, let me see. So what I'd like us to do then is, is look at uh, the good works, the, the idea of the regulative principle. It says in the Second Baptist London Confession, good works are only such as the Lord has commanded in his holy word and not such at, without the warrant as are devised by the, by the blind zeal of man and upon any pretense of good intentions. What, what they're saying, they're a very interesting thing, and we'll see this in the Word of God, is that the Word of God is our rule not only for what we, do, what we believe, but also for what we practice. And our, our issue, the modern challenge, I call it, our modern challenge is making sure that our practice follows what the Word of God says, and more than just our beliefs, that we actually live out what we believe. Amen? That's where the rubber meets the road. So, so tonight, uh, our first session, tonight we'll talk about our modern challenge. Second session, we'll talk about our historic challenge. And then tomorrow morning, we'll talk about the means of evangelism, which is the use of the Word of God. And um, so moving ahead then to, uh, to the clash we are now living in kind of this existential clash going on. It's probably been going on for a long time because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. If you've heard that, say amen. amen. There's nothing new under the sun. So if there's a clash today, the clash was there in, 19, in 1914, and it was there in, in 1814, and it's, it's always there. The clash is, is, is not letting culture encroach on the practice the practices of the church in general and evangelism in particular. And it seems like evangelism is an inroad, a special inroad for culture to sneak its nose and its, and its, 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 its ideas into the church. So um, let, me, let, me, let me begin by, uh, by focusing on something here. Uh, let's look at John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles with you. John chapter 1, verse uh, 11 through 13. John chapter 1, verse 11 to 13. You guys probably know this by heart. 
And if you don't, I rec highly recommend, it's very easy to memorize, okay? Not complicated at all. Have, have any of you heard of the Gospel of John? If you have, let me see your hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here's John chapter 1. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Okay, that's culture. His own, in fact, it's so many people are against Christ that John could literally pen his own did not receive him, and he's correct in that. The vast majority, Jesus later said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who are on it. Narrow is the gate, and, and, and small is the road that leads to eternal life. And there are few who find it. There are so few who are saved in, in, in reality that John can say he came to his own, his own, that, that is his own creation, his own people, those who were made in his likeness, because we're made in the likeness of God, in the image of God we're made, amen. And, and, uh, and his own did not receive him. Verse 12, which many know from uh, gospel plans, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So we have two verbs, receive and believe. As many as received him, instead of reject him, received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now the, the word repent is not found anywhere in the Gospel of John. Just so you know, that's, that's not part of the vocabulary he has. It's found a lot of times in the book of Revelation, Right? In, the, in, the, in the, all the churches, five of the seven have to repent. They're called to repent. So it's, it is available in, in the, the writings of John, but it just doesn't happen to be there. So receiving and believing have the same idea and concept and include the idea of repenting in there. And then verse, but verse 13 is what I'd like to focus on if you have your Bibles. Verse 13 is, who were born, how were these, how were these people born? who are not like the world, but the special called ones, who were born not of blood, so it's not who your dad is or your mom is, or your bloodline, your Swedish, Norwegian, Scottish, Irish, whatever you are, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Whoa. So God somehow supernaturally in his divine power comes down and grabs people. He, he snatches them. He saves them using the power of his gospel spoken, verbally spoken, outwardly spoken by someone who is a Christian who shares with somebody else. Now, it could be within the family, within a personal family, a mother sharing with her son or a father sharing with his daughter or somebody or in the church but so, that's how the gospel goes forth, an amazing thing. And so we see the complexity already. Whenever God and man touch, we have a complexity, and man sometimes tries to, uh, to inject himself where it should not be the case. Now, so because of this clash of culture, where culture becomes the guide, of how we do evangelism, instead of the word of God, there is a clash there. It's a healthy clash. The Bible says, be on your guard, take heed, 
Be on the alert. Don't be duped. Don't be lied to. Do not be deceived. You know, it says that probably 23 times, a lot of times in the New Testament. Don't be deceived. Watch out. Take heed. I mean, do word studies on that. See how many times Paul writes that or, or Jesus says that. Many false prophets will arise and deceive many, Jesus said. That was in Matthew 24, 4 and 5. It's, that's the case, and we see it today. We see it all over the place. We see it on, on, on television. We see it, uh, we see it going past one so-called church after another. And you wonder, what's happening, Lord? But God's totally in control of this. So we have here two kind, two types of evangelism, and they're really opposing types. One is a culture, look at me kind of evangelism, and the Bible, look at him evangelism. And our evangelism should focus on Jesus, his righteousness, his glory, his name, and not us and our goodness and our righteousness and our, uh, and our uh, um, you know, right, well, good, good thoughts. So look at the fallacy of look at me evangelism I have here is look at my righteousness, look at my life, look at my works. And I want to look just at a few of these verses, if you can see them here, Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1 and 2, I just highlighted a couple of these for our, for our edification and our thought. Because listen, the Word of God is living and active. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him and said, If you are a willing Lord, make me clean. Is that the right verse? No, Matthew 6, I apologize. Matthew 6, I'm not reading my notes correctly here. <clears throat> um, Take heed that you do not that you do not by your charitable, do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now that is very interesting. We live in a day when servant evangelism, servanthood evangelism, love loud. I mean, these are very important concepts that are talked about all across the United States, by the way. And we have to be careful that we watch out. Now, here's what it says, verse 2. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and in the streets, that they may glory, get, gain glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. We have to be careful when we steal from the glory of God by putting ourselves upon a pedestal. And I think that's one of the dangers of look at me evangelism. I'm just being totally honest. This is what the word says. Look at me evangelism. Look at my life. Look at my righteousness. Look at my life. Look, let's turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Amazing verses. Look at my life. And this is where Jesus and his lifestyle did not save the people from Nazareth, where he was born, went to elementary school, went to middle school, went to junior high, went to high school, worked as a carpenter. 
listen to this. This is, this is strange. And, it, and it's good. It, it reorients our thoughts. I'm reading from Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in their synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty act, works were performed by his hands? <clears throat> is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and uh, uh, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended with him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And he could do not, not do a mighty work there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now imagine this. If we think our lives are going to lead people to Christ... Christ's own life did not lead people to Christ. Christ's own life made them astonished, made them offended, and led them to unbelief. These are the ones he went to high school with. Isn't it strange? God, the power of God unto salvation, is not our works and our life and our service. It's the, it's the, the gospel of Christ. We'll see that in a second here, praise God. Thanks for joining us today on the 1689 Evangelism Podcast. If you want to know more about what we do or if you want to hear more of our episodes, you can go to 1689evangelism.com. If you want to learn more about the Resurgence Collective, you can go to theresurgence.site. We look forward to being back here with you very soon.